Welcome back for part two, and happy hump day. Thank you for joining us in the middle of the week. We finished part one with my case about Jason Fox, a gay, small-town resident whose murder went viral on TikTok. So, Tara, I guess it's your turn. All right, well, let's get into it, shall we? So, I have two cases this week. One of them's pretty short um, and also very recent. So, the first one is Kevin Bacon. Kevin grew well, up like, in... Like the actor? <laughs> the, the actor's dead? They, <laughs> they do share the same name, but no, not the actor. Feathers. Feathers. <laughs> Different Kevin was Bacon. Gay. <laughs> <sighs> Give it up to the gay activist. <laughs> Who dance oh. for our freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Kevin Bacon grew up in Schwartz Creek, Michigan, and attended Schwartz Creek High School. After high school, Kevin went on to Sharps Academy of Hairstyling, where he would later become a hairstylist who worked at Vintage Beauty and JCPenney before quitting hair and working at diplomat specialty pharmacy while he studied applied psychology at the university of michigan flint on christmas eve 2019 around 5 p.m kevin told his roommate he was leaving to meet a man he had connected with on grinder and for those of you that don't know grinder is a very popular gay dating app as for kevin he had no idea that he was about to meet up with a monster Mark Latunsky, a 50-year-old self-employed chemist. How do you become a self-employed chemist? <laughs> like, I, I mix these chemicals in my garage. Do you want to buy them? <laughs> Pretty sure that's <laughs> called meth. <laughs> Did he make meth? <laughs> yes, he may have. <laughs> Prior to meeting Kevin... Latunsky was in a serious relationship. He had married Jamie Arnold in 2016 after meeting him on the same dating app as meeting Kevin. Arnold separated from Latunsky because of his lifestyle. He stated that Latunsky would come home and there would be another man there. Um, Latunsky tried to get Arnold to join them, but he would refuse. He said he couldn't take it anymore and had to leave as he couldn't take Latunsky's lifestyle anymore. Kevin met up with Latunsky in the early evening, and later that night, his roommate received a text message from someone who claimed to be Kevin saying he was having fun and might not make it home that night. And when he did not appear at his parents' house on Christmas Day, he was reported as missing. On December 28th, 2019, investigators found Kevin's car at a Dollar General parking lot and tracked his last known location to Latunsky's house in Monroe, Michigan, roughly 23 miles away from where Kevin lived in Flint, Michigan. So 23 miles away at a Dollar General, they had to pass like 56 other Dollar Generals to pick that specific one. <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, they're like that in Michigan, but over here, they literally have them like every two miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Upon their arrival, Michigan State Police were granted permission by Latunsky to enter and search his home. 
According to police testimony, during the search, they found Kevin hanging deceased and naked from the ceiling. Oh, my God. After the grisly discovery, they placed Latunsky into custody, and Latunsky admitted to killing Kevin and states that he used a knife to stab him in the back and slit his throat. He then wrapped rope around Kevin's ankles and hung him from the rafters on the ceiling. He also told police that he cut off Kevin's testicles and ate them. Holy shit. I'm sorry, guys. I am going to hell real quick tidbit, but dead ass. When you said they found Kevin hanging deceased and naked from the ceiling, my first thought was, oh, damn, what a plot twist to the movie. I don't recall it ending that way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> footless. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That is so offensive. <laughs> it's you saying it. Is it still offensive when it's you? I didn't say it. It was Shayna. How dare she? My bad. <laughs> Damn, Shayna thought you were an ally. <laughs> Latunsky was no stranger to authorities. Police had responded to a bizarre incident at his home just a month before Kevin's murder. On November 25th, police reportedly went to Latunsky's home when a 29-year-old man wearing only a leather kilt was seen running from the house with Latunsky chasing him. A neighbor reportedly said the partially nude man had blood on his face and was screaming for help. The man, however, declined to press charges, and a police investigation determined no crime had been committed. Latunsky was also charged with kidnapping in 2013 for allegedly taking two of his four children from his ex-wife. Those charges were dismissed after several competency hearings. Only two? He just picked favorites? (laughs) Yeah. Fuck these two specifically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) On December 15th, 2022, Judge Matthew J. Stewart sentenced Mark Latunsky to life in prison without the possibility of parole for convictions of first degree murder and 11 months in prison for dismemberment and mutilation of a dead body. He's gonna rot there. It amazes me that he allowed them into his house. Yeah, well, he's, he didn't even try to cover it up. Yeah. He's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. you might want to check right there. <laughs> Come on in. And then... Uh, Ate his uh, testes. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to serenade you with Marvin Gaye now. Get it, girl. I love you so much for that. (sighs) Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. I'll be here all night. Okay. So, (laughs) moving forward, um, I do have another case for you. It is the case of Matthew Shepard. This case contains language that some listeners may find offensive. Matthew Wayne Shepard was born on December 1st, 1976 in Casper, Wyoming. He was the first of two sons born to Judy and Dennis Shepard. 
His younger brother, Logan, was born in 1981, and the two brothers had a close relationship. Shepard attended Crest Hill Elementary School, Dean Morgan Jr. High School, and not Rana County High School, very sorry if I pronounced that wrong, for his freshman through junior years. As a child, he was friendly with all his friends. What? No, he was not. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. As a child, <laughs> as a child, he was friendly with all his classmates, but was targeted and teased due to his small stature and lack of athleticism. He developed an interest in politics at an early age. Matthew was a student at the University of Wyoming, and in 1995, he was beaten and raped during a high school trip to Morocco. This caused him to experience depression and panic attacks. One of Matthew's friends feared that his depression had driven him to become involved with drugs during his time at college. Multiple times, Matthew was hospitalized due to his clinical depression and suicidal ideation. On Tuesday, October 6th, 1998, the university freshman Matthew Shepard walked alone into a dive bar in Laramie, Wyoming, to meet up with some friends to plan the LGBT Awareness Week on the town's campus. When the group finished their planning, Matthew tried to persuade them to join him for a beer. However, they declined and headed back to campus. At the Fireside Lounge, the 21-year-old somehow ended up chatting to two roofing workers, Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney, both the same age as him. The pair saw Matthew as an easy target as he stood 5'2 with a slight build. McKinney and Russell went into the bathroom at the Fireside Bar and made a plan to act like they were gay so they could gain Matthew's confidence. So the sexual orientation issue started at the very beginning of that contact, obviously. The killers planned to lure Shepard into McKinney's pickup truck so they could rob him. Once inside the vehicle, McKinney pulled a gun and beat Matthew, then seized his wallet that contained a whopping $20. McKinney then drove about a mile out of town down a dirt path that ended in a rocky prairie of sagebrush and a log fence. Henderson used a clothesline to tie Matthew to said fence, and <laughs> McKinney began to ferociously pistol-whipped their captive. The assholes then stole their victim's patent leather shoes and left him to die. Matthew would remain tied to the fence for 18 hours in the frigid cold. The following evening, a teenager was riding his bike in the area and noticed what he thought was a fallen scarecrow or Halloween costume. He got closer and realized that it was a person. Policewoman Reggie Flutie responded to the scene and reported that Matt was on his back with his arms behind him. His respirations were few and far between. She also noted that she thought he was way younger than what he was just because his stature was so small. Flutie attempted to open Matthew's mouth to clear his airway, but it was clamped shut. She tried to revive him by saying, baby boy, I'm here, kiddo. You're going to be okay. Hang in there. Don't give up. Come on. You can do this. Sheriff O'Malley says the student was struck in the face between 19 and 21 times with the butt end of a very large Smith & Wesson revolver. 
The only time he had ever seen those dramatic injuries were in a high-speed traffic crash where there was just extremely violent compression fractures to the skull. Matthew Shepard was taken to Ivinson Memorial Hospital in Laramie before being moved to the more advanced trauma ward at Purdue Valley Hospital in Fort Collins, Colorado. His parents rushed to Colorado Hospital from Saudi Arabia, where his father worked as an oil rig inspector. Judy and Dennis Shepard stated that they knew it was their son when they arrived because Matthew had a dental brace. His parents recant the moment they first saw their son laying in the hospital bed. Matthew had bandages and stitches all over his face. His fingers and toes were curled in a comatose position already and tubes everywhere, enabling his body to stay alive. One of his eyes was partially open so you could see his blue eyes and tubes in his mouth. You could see his braces. So, of course, that's Matt. His face was swollen, actually kind of unrecognizable till you got closer. Shepard suffered four skull fractures as well as a crushed brainstem from the blows of McKinney's 357 Magnum hand cannon. Matthew Shepard never regained consciousness. He died five days after the attack. The New York Times likened the manner of the killing to the Western custom of nailing a dead coyote to the fence to ward off intruders. This claim detonated national outrage. Two days after Matthew passed, tearful politicians and celebrities gathered on the steps of the U.S. Capitol to address a vigil of thousands. President Bill Clinton condemned the attackers as full of hatred, full of fear, or both. Candlelit vigils were held across the nation. Matthew Shepard died as a cultural age of innocence. Some would say blissful ignorance was coming to a close for America's millennials. The sound of dial-up internet was beginning to be heard in homes around the country. The president had two months earlier admitted to an affair with a White House intern. Self-proclaimed anarchist superstar Marilyn Manson had just dropped the album charts and the Columbine school massacre was seven months away. At Matthew's funeral amid snow flurries in the family's hometown of Casper, Wyoming, on October 16, 1998, an anti-gay preacher from Kansas, Reverend Fred Phillips of Westboro Baptist Church, and his flock, who included children, picketed the service. They held placards dubbed with homophobic slurs and shouted to mourners that the dead student was burning in hell. Dennis Shepard remembers law enforcement making him wear a bulletproof vest to step outside the Episcopal Church, which had been scoured by bomb-sniffing dogs. SWAT teams were positioned at the front and back of the building, police snipers on surrounding rooftops. The couple kept their son's urn of ashes at home until October of 2018, when his remains were entered at Washington National Cathedral, spiritual home of the nation. Shepard now rests in the crypt of the neo-Gothic edifice, alongside the likes of former President Woodrow Wilson, Helen Keller, the pioneering deaf-blind academic, and George Dewey, the 19th century naval officer for whom the rank of Admiral of the Navy was created. It is a momentous honor not even accorded to another prominent gay martyr, Harvey Milk, the San Francisco politician assassinated in 1978. Partly out of concern, any memorial might be desecrated, Judy says. 
This is a huge relief to us to know that he'll be safe and protected forever. She recalls that as a boy, Matthew always asked her, do you think I'll be famous someday? I guess he got there, she adds. The couple remembered how they shrugged it off when he came out to them as a teenager, since they had already guessed. At the time of his death, Judy says he was putting his life back together after being sexually assaulted on a high school trip to Morocco. Shepard was gang raped there by some locals. His mother says, we just felt like he was finally coming around and being himself again. And then this happened. Shepard was studying political science and dreamed of working as a diplomat for the Department of State. His family have mixed feelings about his secular sainthood. They believe he would be uncomfortable with his consecration as some sort of perfect icon. Wyoming, which has almost as many pronghorn antelope as people, half a million or so residents, is a rural conservative heartland. Shepard's murder stoked the perception of cowboy country and flyover states in general as a danger zone for gay people. During the trial for Russell Henderson and Aaron McKinney, McKinney's trial lawyer Dion Curtis maintains it was a robbery gone bad. Even while he does accept sexual orientation was a factor, he states they, meaning McKinney and Henderson, basically were just kind of two lost kids that were using meth daily, at least weekly, for a long period of time. People who use meth, chronic meth users, they lose the ability to rationalize. They have all kinds of problems mentally. However, McKinney's own gay bashing rhetoric damns him in the eyes of many. During a police confession, McKinney said he began to attack Shepard because the student had put his hand on his leg during a car ride. McKinney said he replies, guess what? We're not rhymes with bay and we're going to jack you up. Yet in another statement to police, he said Shepard simply looked like he was about to grope McKinney. I don't know how you can look like you're about to grope somebody. Well, I mean, I guess I can because I'm used to it, but... From the jailhouse after his arrest, McKinney reportedly wrote to another inmate's wife, quote, being a very sick, drunk, homophobic, I flipped out and began to pistol whip the rhymes with bay with my gun ready at hand. At trial, McKinney's lawyers argued that Shepard had made their client fly into a rage by touching his leg. Such a legal strategy where criminal defendants in cases of violent assault argue they were provoked by an unwanted same-sex sexual advance. And it is still admissible in all but three U.S. states, according to the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law. But the judge dismissed the gay panic claim. Good, because that gay panic is such bullshit. Sheriff O'Malley rejects any attempts to downplay the anti-gay element in the murder and has never discounted that the initial motivation was robbery but the robbery motive stopped early on in the contact he says in my opinion it was a hate crime i completely agree both killers are serving two consecutive life terms for kidnapping and murder according to the wyoming department of corrections neither russell henderson or aaron mckinney will agree to interview requests The court proceedings are also remembered for a counter-protest that is commemorated by a mural in Laramie, just a few blocks from where it unfolded. 
when the Westboro Baptist Church returned as Henderson pleaded guilty in April of 1999, Shepard's friends were not prepared to let them steal the limelight again. The University of Wyoming's LGBT Association rallied together. The chairman of the association at the time, Jim Osborne, says, We had the idea for this big-ass angel wings and would block out the signs. Wearing outfits made of white sheets, duct tape, and PVC piping, they stood in front of Phelps and his congregants, turning the other cheek to their bigotry. Osborne recalls the minister of his flock saying, You're a disgrace. We can smell the whiff of brimstone about you. Another counter-protester, Nicole Bondurant, says she could literally feel Phelps breathe on the back of her neck. The moment was reenacted as a climatic scene in 2002 HBO movie, The Laramie Project, dubbed The Angel Action. It was replicated two years ago in Orlando, Florida, when Westboro Baptist Church tried to disrupt the funerals of gay people killed in a mass shooting in the Pulse nightclub. Shepard's death would go on to inspire plays, a musical, and poetry. Elton John penned a song, American Triangle, comparing the slang to a deer run down by two coyotes. The Matthew Shepard Foundation was set up by his family, which helped expand federal hate crime laws to include offenses motivated by sexual orientation, gender, or disability. Judy and Dennis were at the White House with the President Barack Obama in 2009 to see the Matthew Shepard and James Beard Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act signed. For those of you who don't know, James Beard Jr. was a black man who was murdered in Texas in June of 1998 by three white supremacists who dragged him behind a pickup truck. The Shepherds have traveled the U.S. and more than two dozen countries advocating for LGBT rights. The cause has made a quantum leap in the last two decades in America. When their son died, same-sex marriage was banned in every state. Now, it's the law of the land, but activists say their battle for equality is not over. Wyoming is among five U.S. states that have no criminal hate crime law. In another 15 states, hate crime laws do not expressly (laughs) cover a victim's sexual orientation. According to the Human Rights Campaign, it also says LGBT Americans can be fired for their sexuality in 29 states. What? Wyoming is celebrated as the home of train robbers, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, with its air of Western romance and cult of the outlaw. It is a place where the line between hero and villain can blur. Many residents of Laramie believe their town has been unfairly tarnished by the Shepherd case. Some think media coverage was classist. The victim was educated at a Swiss Alpine boarding school. The culprits were labeled trailer trash and rednecks. A number of town folks assert the murder was actually a drug deal gone bad. As the court heard that Shepard, like many students, had dabbled in illicit substances. However, Sheriff O'Malley makes clear that theory is not supported by the evidence. Few back then could imagine that people would still be talking about him today. A collection of his personal effects donated by his family is on display at the Smithsonian Institution's National Museum of American History in the U.S. Capitol. 
His schoolwork, theater scripts, photos, and sandals are among the exhibits. The LGBT Rights Foundation is named after Matthew Shepard. Today, the log fence where Shepard was bound and bludgeoned is long gone. The former crime scene is still a windswept field stubbed with cacti and crisscrossed by antelope spur. But there's nothing to indicate that this was the site of a deadly assault that changed America. And that's my case. Heavy stuff. Honestly, I'm somewhere in between depression and drunkenness. Just right there, right there. Just, I don't know. I'm in my Paula Abdul bag for sure. These are some dark ass cases. I'm sorry. (laughs) Shit. How does that make you feel like as a member of that community? Because I know for me, like, yeah, it makes me mad and it makes me sad for their families. It makes me sad for them. Like it just, it makes me angry. I mean, it's definitely triggering, um, very depressing. Um, but it's just crazy to think that like, this was so like accepted. This was so commonplace. And this wasn't that long ago. I mean, turn of the century, we're talking 98, 99, 2000. So it's like, We've made a lot of strides for sure, but yeah, it's crazy. It's all very recent history. Well, those are our cases for this week. We hope you all had a happy Pride Month and thank you all so much for listening. Yes. Happy Pride, guys. It truly does break my heart that individuals are targeted because of their sexual orientation when in reality it's nobody's business who they're attracted to or how you identify. And I'm dumbfounded that someone would take offense to who someone else loves. It's 2023 and the world is already shit enough. So try being kind. Literally the smallest gesture could mean the world to someone else. Yes. Amen. And kind of in happier news, taking a slightly more positive turn. I've been given the task of listener birthday shout outs this week. Matt Revis. His birthday is actually the day we're recording this, the 24th. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. birthday. As always, you can send us an email with any case suggestions that you'd love to hear us cover. And also send us those listener birthdays at thickthighsmurdervibes at gmail.com. You can find our group on Facebook under Thick Thighs and Murder Vibes community or follow our Thick Thighs and Murder Vibes Facebook page. We also started an Insta that you can follow at Thick Thighs Murder Vibes. There are underscores in there. And Twitter at TTMV420. Thank you so much, Tia, for joining us this week. We were so glad you were able to be here, and we hope to have you back again sometime. The pleasure was truly all mine, ladies. Hopefully it wasn't too chaotic recording out of the closet this time around. We're all in three different locations. Usually Shana and I are together, recording together. But Kind of doing a remote thing now. Loved it. Love, love, love this for us. Have a great week and be sure to join us again next time for Medical Mishaps. Bye. 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 Bye.